first need to congratulate you, Jason Pridmore, on... Well, welcome back <laughs> to Mad Skills Motocross 2. You've been shredding, tearing it up as you normally used to. I, I figured maybe you take some time away. I could beat you up a little bit, but that only happened a couple of weeks, so... It's good that you take notice in this stuff. You know, I was down to like division nine, so it's been a long comeback trail for me since for the last nine weeks. I finally got it back up to one. So, but it was funny you mentioned that because I've got a, when we see each other this week in Brainerd, you got to show me the new one because there doesn't seem like as many of our friends are playing the one that I'm on. Yeah. Everybody's kind of gone to Mad Skills Motocross 3. I got to get on that with you. Okay. So, but it was a rough weekend for me, G-Dub on the link. So, so we got to get on. I've been looking for looking forward to this podcast. I've been looking forward to uh, to getting to Brainerd. I mean, look, we got is it round five, six, dummy, six. It's insane, isn't it? I know. Yeah, round six, four rounds to go, and uh, we're heading off to a place that you and I haven't been to in a long time. Well, I've been there, but I will talk more well, yeah, about that. You, yeah, I mean, I'm from a race, <laughs> yeah, but I know. From a race side, two thousand four, dude. It's been, but a you long didn't race time. there in 04. I didn't race there in 04. No, last time I raced Brainerd probably would have been 2000. Yeah, yeah, was it? 2001, maybe? Mm. Something like that. But Probably 01, huh? Yeah. Yeah, the thing with Brainerd, though, is that uh, the, the je ne sais quoi of Brainerd is not really being used. You know, the parts that we know and love so much. Yeah, but the best we'll, parts. The best parts. Yeah. I mean, it's really the parts that define what Brainerd was. Uh, you know, nobody ever said, ah, oh, JP, that turn four at Brainerd. Mwah, it's so yeah. good. All we ever yeah. talked about was that drag strip straight away, turn one, the sickness of it, having factory teams standing down at the end of the wall with radar guns, all of them, just watching yeah. people come in at 198 miles an hour, rolling off the throttle for a smidge, and then just peeling her in was just something to behold. It was so yeah. cool. So it was different. Cool. It was definitely different. It was definitely different. But uh, this is the Greg's Garage Pod with co-host Jason Pridmore. I'm Greg. That's Jason. And this week it's presented by Arai. Okay, so the Pro Shade system is Arai's answer to the internal sunshade, Jay. By having an external drop-down sunshade, as opposed to one that's positioned internally between the shell and the EPS liner, impact absorption performance is not diminished. Maximum EPS thickness is retained across the front and the sides of the head where the internal drop-down lens would be in its pivot, pivot mechanism. Now, this allows for optimal rider protection. It also allows Arai helmets to keep their snow rating. So go check out AraiAmericas.com for more information about all the great tech features that Arai brings to the table. And they certainly keep my noggin fresh and clean and safe on my long journeys around <laughs> the United States of America. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. How's your ass? Y'all good? Yeah, it's it's settled down. <laughs> it's great. It's it's okay. It's really strange because, as you know, Jay, I saw you're back on the bicycle. If you're off the bicycle for a while, you get on that saddle. Normally, oh my your God. Butt, Day your three is like ugh. the worst, right? Day three is the mm -hmm. worst, especially as we get older. Day three is really bad, but it's only bad if you sit on that seat, right? If you take a seat, normally you don't feel it. Same thing on the motorcycle. It's like if I got on the bike, I sat on it to move it uh, like two days after I got home and I was like, oh, ouch, <laughs> ouch. But sitting in the office chair and all that kind of stuff was totally fine. But yeah, it and was how's the old, uh, how's the old tooth doing there, G-Dub? I got a picture from Greg the other day. I'm doing whatever I'm doing and I get this picture all of a sudden out of the blue. 
It's Greg sitting in a dental chair, mouth wide open with the dark glasses on and getting <laughs> drilled. Yeah, getting hammered up. Um, not too bad. I, I got a crown put on. So right before yeah. I, I left to go on the on the big ride. So the, it was the initial ride. So it was it was North Carolina to Wisconsin, then over to Seattle, that whole thing. Uh, I started to feel some, you know, some cold water or biting into something, some pain. Went to the dentist. They're like, you cracked your tooth. You need a crown. If you let it go too long, it's going to be a root canal. And I was like, all right, cool. I'll just chew on the right side until I get back from this trip, which was a month and a half. And uh, when I got back out to pick up the bike, I think we're at Laguna and I bit into some healthy chia seeds or some garbage and it just hit my tooth and it cracked it. It like just shat, it like split it wide open. Oh. So I've been suffering for a week. So I came back. Yeah, that's brutal. Had a great dentist. You would have loved, you love this dude. Uh, unfortunately, yep. He's from Long Island, Long Island initially. Okay, so he's a Giants fan and a Yankee, Yankee fan. fan, of course. But he spent over thirty years in Boston. Uh, he was he graduated from Tufts University, which is where my right where my dad was born, and then he he was he did his residency and stuff at Harvard, and found his way down North Carolina. So, you dude, it was you would have absolutely loved this. So he's all talking <laughs> football, talking Eli Manning and the past with the football and the helmet and the Super Bowl to beat the New England Patriots, right? This whole thing, he's just crushing me. And and I, you know, what am I going to do? My mouth's wide open. Oh, yeah. He's drilling away. So we get done and they're like, all right, we're going to build this, this thing. They do a 3D image of my tooth. They go to build it. And <laughs> next thing you know, he comes in, okay? And he goes, I have to introduce you to this kid, I turn around and there's a seven-year-old kid wearing an Eli Manning Giants t-shirt. <laughs> yeah. Totally random out of the clear blue sky. And I turn around and go to this poor kid. I go, get out, get out of my room. <laughs> and his mom is laughing. The kid is like, what? And and the doctor is pissing himself. It was quite entertaining though. It's pretty impressive that you let a Yankees Giants fan actually work on you. You know, I know, dude, I was like, getting ready to get out of the chair but what are you gonna do <laughs> what you get what you can do hey what you gonna do what you can do what all right do? let's talk brainer because we were talking about before so we're yeah. off to brainer minnesota we haven't been there since 2004 last time we were there on a super bike jake zemke wins was got on the cover of News magazine wow yeah. what year was that oh four oh four so 17 years okay now, for those that don't know Brainerd, Minnesota, the racetrack, the old racetrack, what really defined that racetrack was a straightaway at the end of the lap, a straightaway. So it was a right turn under a bridge, short shoot straightaway to a 90 degree right turn that would take you onto a drag strip, a mile long straightaway. And then Jason Pridmore described turn one on a superbike. What would you do? Um, well, look, it there were so many iconic things about Brainerd, um, that I remember just back in the day, uh, the racing was always really close because we had this big straight. Now, I don't know if there was a straightaway in the country. We talk about Road America and its straightaways and how uh, impactful they are to that racetrack at Road America. Road America, though, is like, it's literally the best track for me personally in the country because it's just got a little bit of everything. But this straightaway at Brainerd had a very sketchy kind of entrance onto the straightaway because you were coming onto the drag strip. So if it rained or it did anything like that, they oh. kind of couldn't race, right? Because of the... Do you remember, like, the when B- it used the to BHT. rain there? Yeah. yeah, but do you remember they had, used to have the helicopter? Remember the helicopter? Yeah. used to we- fly about five feet off the deck um, at the beginning of the of the drag strip to try to dry it off. Like, mm-hmm. you'd have this helicopter just literally within, you know, shouting distance of the pits, and it's just hovering it, you know, five feet off the deck trying to dry the racetrack. I remember that. Um, 
but it was kind of a sketchy um, uh, entry to the to the front straightaway. The thing that made the front straightaway really interesting as well is that the the wall that separated the track from where the mechanics and stuff would hang the boards over uh, was about knee high. It wasn't even that tall of a wall. That was what was really it was it was almost eerie, wasn't it? It was kind of like freakish. Yeah. Because this wall was up just a little bit above knee high. So the mechanics and stuff couldn't necessarily set the the boards over the wall because the riders were going right down the side of the track there. So um, you had to be cognizant of that when you were coming by, as did the crew holding on to those pit boards because of the amount of uh, the you know amount of wind that was going by as the riders would go by. But by the time you got three quarters down the front straightaway, you were six gear flat out, and you could see turn one coming, and you'd literally start tipping into turn one like six gear flat. Um, and as you would, as you would tip in, it kind of start. it was banked and it would just ever so slightly start to go up just a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you would tip in there, like I say, six gear flat. And in the middle of the turn, you'd actually backshift to fifth and then you'd be flat out going to turn two. And it was almost the same type of thing. You'd tip into turn two flat out, backshift to fourth, almost in the middle of it. And then down to turn three. So th- the racing was always tight. Uh, I remember there being a lot of good races there uh, in the years that I remember going to that place. Mm. Um, but it was a great vibe. I, I liked the vibe of the track. We used to get a ton of fans camping out in the infield. Um, yeah, it was it was just a cool place. A lot of first time winners there too, as was I there, recall. Yeah. yeah, as I recall, there was a great six hundred battle between Zemke and and Tommy Hayden. That I think Tommy Hayden won, or I can't remember. But I mean, I think Eric Bostrom had a a win there first time. Zem- uh, anyway, Eric, doesn't matter. Yeah. Eric yeah. Bostrom won there first time. And you know, the thing about that track, I was thinking about this the other day. There's not too many places that, well, I shouldn't say that there's not too many places. There's a lot of places that I remember in this and that, but I, I, I still can bring up laps in my brain at Brainerd that like, I still, it's very, very uh, clear in my mind like the little tight right before you go into the bridge down to the last corner mm-hmm. and how, how that straightaway was just big enough where you could actually get a little bit of a draft on the guy in front of you. And then the last corner, do you remember how wide it would get? You remember yes. how wide the last turn was and banked. Huge. Um, and so the last turn there was, was an interesting last corner as well. Like there were races won and lost in that last turn also. So there was a lot of iconic things that went on at Brainerd. Um, All right. So, but here's the thing yeah. that section we're talking about is now gone. It exists, gone. but yes, we don't gone. race it. But I will, I do want to tell you a little story about Brainerd and the pit wall that you were talking about with pit yeah. boards. So when we would go to the bigger tracks, so I raced pretty much a stock 750 for, for some of the years, but some Road. of the years I didn't mm-hmm. raced. Road. Anyways, go on. Sorry. Road raced. I'm just being oh, yeah, clear good point. to our road listeners. Yes. No, you're right. I should really say the whole name of the series, like kind of the, the, yes. the discipline, road race. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, uh-huh. good point. Yeah, way to Thanks. bring that up, jerk face. Anyway, <laughs> so um, I had a built bike, same bike you had actually, 1998. Spent some money, got a bike. Um, I didn't. I never had a crew. I was always by myself. But for some reason, in 1998, I suffered a tremendous tank slappers. And actually, I think, Looking back on it now, it was more my riding style than anything else. But just the, the thing would just tank slap all the way down a straightaway. So during the, the longer races like Road America, Brainerd and stuff, I would race 750 Super Sport, Formula Extreme, and I would race in the Superbike class. Mm-hmm. And so I'm out in practice 
and everybody's out on the wall. And what they would do instead of hanging the pit board over the wall, like you're saying, Jay, because it was so short and because it right. was so close to the racetrack, they would put the pit board on top of that on little top of wall. The wall. Correct. Right. Yes. So I keep coming on to the front straightaway. And, and when I would come on there and try to go into a full tuck, the thing would just start violently tank slapping. And I mean, I'm talking, I was blowing through steering dampers, everything. And so I come through this one time and it was just really, really violent. And all I see is a bunch of factory people running off the pit wall, like back. They thought I was going to come on and it was so close to that wall and it was so short. They thought I was going to crash over the wall. So I pulled back into the pits. Remember the old garages that they used to have, like the barn was one of the garages. That's correct. Oh yeah. I remember. Yes. And at the time, Richie Alexander let me pit with him and we were across the, you know, in the barn across from factory Honda and Al Ludington and Ray Plum and all these Merlin come over and they start bouncing on my bike and turning knobs and twisting. And I take a picture of it because here I have factory Honda working on my privateer Suzuki, but they were all like, you are going to kill yourself and you're going to kill us if you, if you crash (laughs) over this wall. And I took a picture of it and Al Ludington, who was Miguel's mechanic at the time, I had, that's when I had teamskulk.com. You remember that website I used to have and my daily rumors and stuff. And so Al Ludington says to me, listen, don't do, don't you ever post that picture. It's contract time for me. I can't be seen touching a Suzuki or anything else, but it helped out quite a bit. It didn't really ever get rid of the the total wobble, but it helped out a ton with whatever those guys did on that Suzuki. And the moral of the story is Greg didn't go any faster. Oh yeah. No, I dropped at least nine seconds a lap Uh after that. Something like that. Like nine ish. Let's go with an ish. You know what I mean? It's not an exact figure. Guess, Guess what I had to do this week. I had to I had to get a Moto America license. Why? So I'm, I'm riding Thursday. Thursday, there is a Dunlop tire test, people, which will be yeah. uh, you know, on Moto America Live Plus, like or the live timing, I mean. So it'll be live timing and stuff. All right. So yeah. here's the situation, Jason. After Road America all those yeah. weeks ago, Jessica Zalewski, you remember her? She was former oh, yeah. uh, you oh, know, yeah. racer in our series, fast, especially at Brainerd, where she's from the Minnesota area. She's I think former professional snowboarder, now mom and all that stuff. Yeah. She has a school, high performance riding school, and Yamaha rented like half the time from her. So yeah. w- there were 40 minute sessions and then she had her school going on at the same time. So a bunch of the Moto America Superbike teams, M4XR Suzuki was there, Baz was there with his Warhorse team, uh Westby was there, and of course Fresh and Lean Attack Performance Yamaha was there. And some privateer guys small R3s and stuff. They went and they got to ride already on yeah. on Tuesday, Wednesday. That's when I got to ride Jack Roach's R3. I got yeah. to ride the new R7 and I got to ride Gagne's Superbike, which I haven't yeah. talked much about on this on this podcast, but I did get to turn 10 laps. That's I thought it was cool. nine, but Stamboli sent me this stuff. Um, so I have my opinions. So, so on that did part. you actually come in when they actually told you to? <laughs> Uh, the checkered flag flew, so I didn't have a choice. So you, had to, so you, you didn't, you just didn't ignore that, huh? You know me. You know how I ride, Jason. Right? Like, if do I, get I stu- do, we have to document that. Do we have? Yeah, to you, it? you, yeah. <laughs> so, so I do five laps, and I come in to to clear my brain because I can mm-hmm. feel myself getting stuck at a lap time, right? Yeah. In five laps, I wasn't tired or anything, but I come in, I just take a breath, and I, I just close my eyes, think about it for a second, then I go out, and then I start going quicker. So I got that's why I got the ten laps. So it's ten laps in the in the forty minute session. I thought I was getting a second session, but then they decided no, because it definitely would have been nicer to have taken, you know, 40 minutes off and then come back out on the bike. But anyway, whatever. So what I am saying is what I want you to imagine 
is we just talked about turn one. We talked about turn yeah. two at, at, so the new section of racetrack for me begins and where start finish line is going to be. Start finish line is, is on the new section, but it's just back on a straightaway that starts you out in the exit of turn one. So on a super bike, instead of being in sixth gear, back shifting to fifth, what you're going to do is you're going to come onto the old turn one just after start finish line. It's a straightaway. You go right onto that section. You're in fourth gear, leaned over on the banking. It's a little bit of camber. You're going to upshift to fifth, mm-hmm. and then you're going to backshift to fourth. And then going go into turn what old turn two was. Old turn two. Got it. Then you go turns three, four, and I believe five are all the same. I remember right? those the right, left, right. And then you go down to the little left, right, that little left, right. And that's a 190 now. I actually, Corey Alexander sent me a, a video vlog of, of Loris going around their paths. Oh, he did. Okay. Yeah. It's so, I, so I'm going to try to watch it. Uh, it's going to be a little different, uh, the way that Moto America is going to configure it and stuff. So it's, it's definitely interesting because they put all these walls up everywhere. And so it's very in the, in the new section it's constricting, but, uh, the surface, I, I don't think they've repaved it since we were there. Like the surface, it's incredible, but it's fine. It's, it's like the old surface is fine. It's grippy. It's stuff. But there are some things that you're going to see on a superbike that these riders are going to have to do if the chicane is there, which I believe it should be there mm-hmm. because it's important. If you don't have this little chicane after this carousel turn that they have, which is part of the new section, uh, you're going to angle yourself right towards a wall that you don't want to be there. But yep. the transitions are so fast. And dude, in when I was there riding and I would go out and watch, I mean, Josh Heron was so fast. It was transitions. Yeah, I mean, yeah. noticeably quicker um, in that section, you know, not by much, but I mean, Gagne, all those guys, you have to be so incredibly fast and you have to trust the electronics to the point that's ridiculous because when you flick the thing back over, you're going left and then you have to go an immediate right onto this where we were starting from mm-hmm. uh, during the test. And then it's a first gear left hand corner underneath a bridge and right hander onto the front straightaway. It's an interesting, it's an interesting course. Here's what's more interesting. I was the only person on that racetrack that yeah. day that had been on the old, on the old. Brainer. Oh, well, yeah. You know, you're getting old when, correct? Yeah. But the point yeah. is, is like these guys, even, you know, Bobby Fong's like, yeah, man, I came in in like 2007 or something like that. Like Brainerd was yeah. off the calendar and, you know, it was, but, but what I'm saying is, is oftentimes if we go to a track that people have been to where they've changed the configuration, they're going to be like, well, the old track was better. These guys are only looking at it like, well, this is the track that we race. This is just, yeah, they don't know any different. Right. Where yeah. I'm sitting there going, yeah, you guys don't understand, man. The old yeah. final corner and the old turn one, you know, and they're like, yeah, we don't really care. Yeah. Don't uh, give a shit. Yeah. The, the difference too is let's talk about a fan perspective. We are going to be pitted now inside the racetrack. So normally where everybody used to camp, correct? Where everybody camps. Ah, yeah, yes. And there's still plenty yeah. of room for people to camp. Okay. But I don't really see like one general big paddock. I think we're going to have to be spread out. It's going to, they're going to have to spread us out quite a bit because there are bridges that, you know, go over the track and stuff where normally we used to pit on the outside of the drag strip and then all the partying, the zoo, they call it up there. The zoo would go on and all the, the mayhem. So it's going to be different. The town of Baxter, which is just below Brainerd, which is where majority of us are staying. You, Jason, you're not going to recognize it. I mean, in the 17 years we haven't been there, oh, they have imagine. they have changed wow. roads. Uh, Paul Bunyan and Babe the Ox have been moved from. I can't its, believe that. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just a different place, but um, I'm staying like I'm staying in Little Falls. It was so busy I couldn't get a place, so I got an Airbnb about 35 minutes away. 30 minutes know, away. Did you know if you fly Delta, which I do, I learned this yesterday, and I'm a little little upset with myself. I didn't check this. You can fly right into Brainerd. Yeah, no, I've flown into Brainerd before. Oh, I didn't know that. I'm I'm yeah. kind of bummed because I could have literally gone Raleigh, Minneapolis, Minneapolis, and then you know it's kind of like right doing the it's kind of like doing the Chicago to Milwaukee thing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah, like so sense. quick, and then if you have a two hour layover or something in Minneapolis, it's almost kind of like quick, yeah, you know? it doesn't really. Yeah, so I don't mind yeah, that drive. That. You know, once you get through St. Cloud, it's kind of a, that's where not... I told you the story that you know when I went up there many, 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 many zillions of years ago, I had to get a cab because there was no Ubers, there was no, and I couldn't rent a car. So I have a cab, take me and Susie at the time. We get in the cab <laughs> and we go to the hotel. The guy drops me off. I go in there with all our bags and stuff and find out that I'm at the wrong Best Western or wherever it was that I was staying. And the one that we're <laughs> staying at is, you know, five blocks away. How much was the cab ride? I don't remember, but I do remember. Uh, I, I remember, you know where we were staying? We were staying right by where the Paul Bunyan guy, you, you know, that used mm-hmm. to all be. There was a hotel there. Because that night, literally, we walked. There was a photo that somebody took of us. We've got all our bags, and we're walking down the street. like Because it wasn't that easy just to get a cab in Brainerd, Minnesota back then, or Baxter, whatever it was. But then that night, so we finally get to the hotel, have a shower. We ordered pizza, of course, for that pre-race meal. Um, that night, I get there. And, <laughs> and I had a, literally that weekend, I had a filling drop out of my tooth. Like oh. While I was while I was eating pizza, I felt something crunch. I'm like, "What's that?" And like, "Oh, it was filling." So I had to race with that all week. It was a, it was like one of those crazy weird weird weeks. But I'm ex- I'm looking forward to going there. Was there anything on your radar when you went there for the test that suggests that Jake Gagne is going to get beat this week? Um, other than the fact, I think that you know it was a misstep. He crashed. He crashed on Tuesday. There was a Tuesday Wednesday test. He hurt his hand. He flew home. Sound like a uh, lot of guys tipped off, though, correct? A lot of guys tipped off, and the and that track is not kind if you crash. It's is been that eating, right? Yeah, it's been eating motorcycles up. So I think great. The M4 guys destroyed one. Uh, I I don't think Baz crashed. I think he was fine. I know Heron didn't crash because it was kind of like the last session of the day, and Josh was just like, you know what? I've done my times. I'm kind of stuck at this time. We've got a good setup. I don't want to risk it. Everybody else has crashed. I might as well just park this thing. And and the the, the team was already kind of packing everything up anyway at that point. Um, yeah, there's a psyche that happens to a rider when you see your teammates crashed and you're at a test and it was like a week before Laguna, if I'm not mistaken, or, uh, was it a week before, no, it was a week before the Ridge. Yeah. I remember this and there's, there's definitely something to be said when you see your teammates already packed up and they're packing the truck and they're packing the trailer and your bike's (laughs) kind of sitting there and it's like the crew's ready to wheel your bike out. And, you know, obviously that's probably how Josh felt anyways. And, uh. Yeah, I mean, I look, can... my, my concern about Brainerd is, is that the new section is a little technical and that, uh-huh. that technical part might like break racing apart. Um, where I think if you, if you have a tight group that gets underneath this pedestrian bridge, takes a right onto the start finish straight, they could be really tightly packed up until probably like turn six or something like that. So it, yeah. it just, it just kind of depends on how people are going to pass. The, the way that the carousel was configured, it was kind of like, a, remember the carousel at um, Phoenix International Raceway, like that long I do, race? yes. You know, that was kind of open and then you'd, you'd kind of practice it one way and then all of a sudden someone just stuffs you up the inside and you're like, where how yep. did you even know to do that? 
Yeah. That's the kind of carousel, kind of like um, the penultimate corner at at Barber. It reminds me of that corner, that right-hander. Oh, the big, long right. The yep. ro- big, long right-hander before you flick it back left. It's yep. got that kind of potential where if you could stuff someone into the chicane, it, it's definitely open for that. So there could be some exciting racing there. Um, there's there's plenty of places to pass. That, that last left-hand corner, before you go right underneath the pedestrian or the bridge to get on the front straightaway, that's first gear on a super bike. And it is just a slam the brakes on, let the bike move around. Baz was quick there. The fact that they got a really good test from what I understand, they were pretty fast. I think that with the improvements we've seen from the Warhorse Ducati and the way Baz is right now, you you send that guy home. He's had a chance to recharge his batteries. Yes. You know, yep. I've talked to him a couple times since. I, I think that uh that the last race we're at Laguna wasn't a fluke for those guys that they got, no. you know, within one They're, second. So yeah, they were close, but I mean, it's hard to, it's hard to bet against Gagne right now. He's on form. He's good. He also has recharged his batteries. He's even healthier than he's been after, you know, it, it's so hard to say right now, but I just think, I think that we could have, it's going to be one or the other. We're not going to have mediocre racing. We're either going to see one person figure it out and check out in these races, or we're going to have like four or five people just fighting it out. And you know, the fact that on the superbike side, the people that are at the sharp end of the spear, everybody already tested there and they're going to yeah. get a test on Thursday yeah. means that there's no mysteries by the time we get to Friday. Everybody's going to have their stuff Is this kind down. of a track, just from what I've seen a little bit, is this a track where some of our stock thousand guys can get a little closer? Like we don't have that big straightaway here, do we? So it's Well, like- I think it's acceleration too, isn't it? That superbikes really have over stock thousand. True. Yep. And electronics. They have advantages in certain spots, but I know the first part of this track is pretty flowy. So you think a lot of the- It's flowy, Jay, but like it's punishing on a tire. Okay. So- Got it. It's when you, you'll see it once you ride the thing on Thursday, when you come onto that old exit of turn one. So it's, it's, it's going to be turn number one. When you get into turn one and get out, there's just, even in the test, there's just nothing but black marks left everywhere. Uh, so there's a lot of electronics dependency. Yeah, I would say through the egg, through the new turn one, turn two, and and into turn three. So I don't know. You know, I wish I was smarter than I am. If you'd already ridden it, you would have all the answers. I guarantee you. You know, well, because well, once, well, I'm once looking, you ride it Thursday, you'll get it sorted yeah, out. Yeah, I'm looking forward to just just riding a little bit. I thought it would be good for the broadcast if I got to actually see the track. Um, just because it's I haven't I haven't gone to a track. Uh, where we've done TV where I haven't got a chance to ride it or at least see it. So for me, I mean, if you remember when we went to Pittsburgh a bunch of years ago, I flew back there. Um, I flew back there just to ride it, just just to get a chance to know where it goes so that when we do the broadcast, it kind of comes across. As it works out, it worked out perfect because the Hanos, Hanos team. Um, well, yeah, I was going to ask what bike you're going to ride. Yeah, you know, with Richie, with HVMC, they they have a couple spare bikes. So I'm just going to ride one of the ZX-10s that are in there. A 10, and, okay. And just get a chance to go out and, um, and just pedal around. You know, I don't know how many laps I'm going to do, but I'll ride a little bit during the day just so I can see the track and, and see kind of what it's all about and, and go from there. I, I I think there's a couple things now when you look at four rounds left in the championship. Um, I, I mean, look, we, we don't we're not giving it away to anybody, but Superbike for me right now is, I mean, he's got such a big lead. I don't even know how big his lead is because we never talk about it. 65 points. Yeah. I mean, it's 65 points. It's, he could not score a ra- He could not score in either one of these races this weekend and still be leading the points. So it's one of those things where I'm not really looking at that, but I am looking at 
Super Sport. Because when you look at Super Sport right now, this is the weekend for Escalante. I think it's he's getting to be in that little bit of do or die situation now where something's got to come. And I think this is the weekend where Escalante has got to pull it together and try to win both these races um, over SDK. I, I don't know if I can say that I see that happening. Um, SDK just looks like right now, if he stays in the same mental spot that he's in, I just feel like he's going to be tough to beat. Well, plus, I don't know. I, I just, I'm, I'm curious to see how the Kawasaki is going to handle the, the new Brainerd here because yeah. the Suzuki for sure will have it sorted out. Like it's just chassis wise. It just see, screams Suzuki. Yeah. Um, it just kind of depends on what, what advantage, if any, that the, the Kawasaki is going to have. I mean, in that championship in Supersport, Jay, you know, it's been Sean Dillon Kelly four race wins in a row with Escalante second. So, you know, it, there's a 31 point lead in the championship. And in the last four races alone, Escalante's, you know, given Sean Kelly, not given him, but basically handed him, you know, 20 points. Yeah. So, you know, it, you're right. It, this is the time where Escalante now, not that Escalante's given up. He hasn't given up, but he definitely gave us indications and in talking about how bad luck of a year he's had and all the injuries he's had and stuff like that, where he is in this championship and how difficult it is to defend. So I'm not sure really if Escalante at this point just goes, whatever the number one plate is on my bike, I don't really care. I'm just going to go for race wins. So we'll I see if like there's that's a... kind of where he's got to be, though. He's had so many weird little things happen. And then, but I don't want that to take away from what SDK has done. Like he's no, ridden, no. he's ridden seven, awesome this dude, year. Seven race wins in 10 races. Yeah, but he's unreal. ridden, he's ridden so well. And I think that, um, you know, for me with, with him, you can't take anything away. I think there'll be, a, you know, again, you would know better than I would, but, um, see if anybody else can hang on to the back of those two guys. Uh, it, it's yeah. Just, I didn't see Corey Ventura, man on the, on the entry list, which is such yeah, a bummer, that's, but that's a drag. I wish it was drag. Stock thousand race should be pretty good here, huh? Yeah, Stock Thousand should be really good, and and Stock Thousand and Superbike too. You know, in that Superbike Cup, the Superbike um, Cup right now, yeah. Travis, yeah, Travis, is Wyman, Travis is really on a roll too. He is, but he's got seventeen over Jake Lewis and Corey Alexander. So, like in that Superbike Cup, which is Stock Thousands inside of Superbike, and they've incentivized them to come race with their own championship inside that championship. You know, you have ten races, and the top three, Wyman, Lewis, and Alexander, have all won three Amazing. of the Suzuki Cup races with Jeff May winning one. So. In terms of the points, you know, it's 17 from Wyman to Lewis, and then you have 16 points to Corey. But, uh, you know, there's a lot to play for. What's the championship bonus, 10 grand or something at the end of the year? I think it's more like 30. Oh, is it? Is a huge? Okay. Yeah, Moto America put up some money for these guys at the end of the season. I think that's why it became pretty important, obviously, for uh, Cam last year. Peterson got a nice little bonus check. And, and you have to check that for me because I'm not exactly yeah, I'm I can't not remember, positive but... on that. But I know it's, I know it's more than 10. Okay, yeah. And yeah. in in, in uh, Junior Cup, in SportBikeTrackYear.com Junior Cup, what's interesting is the last three races we've had, we've had identical podiums. Tyler Scott winning, Ben Glotty in second, and David Colstead in third. And so Ty Scott now has 12 points over Ben Glotty. But here we are, Jason, again with Glotty, who I love. I love all these kids, really. But yeah. you're, you're saying, Glotty, man, it, you got to stop the bleeding. I mean, it's just what's happening What's the point total on that one? What's it at? 17? 12. 12. Uh, 12. Yeah, 12 with four rounds to go. They've still got a lot of racing left. I mean, they've got, um, what, eight races actually left. So there's still some time there. But, but um, you know, I'm with you. This is a it's stop the bleeding. Try to get a win if you can. Get yourself in there and, and, yeah, go from there. So I think that Junior Cup will be good. It was really weird to see how big the gap was between second and third at Laguna. Like, it was mm-hmm. – 
it was nuts to see 20 seconds separating those guys. And, you know, it'll be, it, it, hopefully these guys can close that gap back down to those lead two again. I, I feel like they will. Yeah. I mean, it, had this been the old Brainerd, not very technical track. I think yeah. after you ride it on Thursday, I'll be curious to hear what you have to say. I just think now that this has turned into a half technical track and Correct. a half non-technical track, yeah. you know, in a way. So that's going to be something interesting to see because we know Laguna is very technical and that's part of why we see the big separation. What's interesting about Junior Cup, Jay, is we've had six riders on the podium so far this season yeah, and five of those have won a race. The only person who's been on a podium who hasn't won is, is Colstead. Yeah. So is David due. Colstead due for a race win? What about Max know? Van? I want to get him on the box too. Yeah. He's been pretty close. He's been um, there. Hasn't he's got had there some yet, bad but... luck. He's still, I think, is he maybe 15 yet? I know that, um, I think, was it Ben Glotty's mom sent me a message and Glotty actually before Laguna turned 16 and got That's his driver's right. license. Yeah. She sent me the same message. Super nice. Like, yep. Appreciated us talking about him, but yeah, she got our, she, she set us right on his age being 16 now and sent me a photo of him wheeling a scooter. What do you do when you get your license? You, <laughs> you know, so yeah, very, very cool uh, that she sent that to us. And it's nice that we get that kind of interaction from people that giving us that little bit of information, especially parents. So yeah, I mean, generally we have some information that says the day, like the date, like the day they were born and stuff, mm-hmm. but we're trying to work it out where I can get updated information that actually gives me the age of them. You yeah, know? And yeah, yeah. Which which is helpful because it's weird how the years just go through. I mean, I feel like Ben's been in the paddock for four years, but I know he hasn't, obviously. But he's such a, a mature young guy, and and all that. Twins Cup. I know uh, looking at the Twins Cup championship, and it's pretty impressive this year for me personally. If I had to look at one rider in that championship, it's it's actually Jackson Blackman. Missed the first two rounds there in Atlanta, comes back and starts winning races, and you know his rides at the Ridge kind of stuck in my brain of, of just how good he how good he did there put himself right back in the hunt on this, in this championship on that Yamaha. And um, I think again, twins cup will be interesting. I think twins cup and stock thousand both only do one race this weekend. If I'm not mistaken, Um, they each only have one round at, at Brainerd. I know you're going to pull that up for me. So I'm working um, on it, but I think it's, I think Caleb's got the championship lead right now. This could be a home race for Caleb to crail. So he's going to be hungry. I think it'll be a great track for him, by the way, on the Aprilia. Um, Caleb's Caleb kind of flies under the radar a little bit because he 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 does he's not quickest in every session but the kid I love how methodical he is and how he works and by race time he's always right there he's our Joe Shimoda yeah 100%. knows that no knows that no no all right so for Twins Cup we're gonna have two races in Twins Cup oh we are okay yeah Thanks. and okay. one Thanks one stock thousand so stock thousand you know they're done at one o'clock on Saturday um, oh they're done done so they can focus on the superbike I like that for the stock thousand though. Yeah, me too. I, I like the I like- fact that those guys can be done on Saturday with their stock thousand races. Then they'll do the Superbike race Saturday afternoon with Superbike for the Superbike Cup side of it. Yep. And then they'll do Sunday. They can it I think it I think it relieves them a little bit. You know, and- knowing, knowing that you got that Superbike race Saturday and then you actually have stock thousand Sunday. Yeah, the psyche of it being having one bike and all those kind of things for a lot of those guys is don't go out and crash the bike in the superbike race on Saturday. And if you don't have the Moto America Live Plus app, which you should yep. have, it's cheap. It's got great content. But if you don't, or what you know, or you're near a computer or whatever, uh, the Stock Thousand race will be live on Moto America's Facebook page, and those Facebook broadcasts, dude, are huge. Yeah. The uh, on Sunday, uh, the Royal Enfield Build Train race race is going to happen. It's an eight lap exhibition race. If you don't know much about that, you got to go. T- 
look at Moto America's social media. I'm a really big fan of, of what these women are doing. That's going to be great because in the booth for the Royal Enfield is going to be Jamie Howe will be the play-by-play announcer. Bree Poland's going to be our color commentator who's with Royal Enfield and start. And then Hannah's going to be in the pit. So it's going to be an all-women crew talking about all-women racing, building these bikes, training with these Very bikes, cool. and then racing these bikes. So that's going to be great. That'll be at uh, at 12... 10 local time so i want to say it's like 110 on the east side and then the second of the the twins cup race uh will be on live on facebook on sunday so you'll get stock thousand you'll get royal enfield and you'll get twins cup during the weekend on facebook live if you don't have the thing the app got it i mean having that app is all my friends have it now and they all just yeah, they love it because they can tune in. They can watch it from wherever they're at. They can mm. just see what's going on throughout the course of the day. Yeah, so I think Brainer's going to be good. I also think, real quick, before we go on to the, our next topic here, I think uh, I think Kyle Weidman's coming back to this one too. So it's going to be good to see Kyle back. So Yeah, I haven't, haven't quite gotten a hold of the, the latest entry list. And so that should be out here in the next day or two. And we'll know, obviously, during the test. I would imagine everybody's got to be doing the test on Thursday. Why not? Yeah, why, yeah exactly right. So... Uh, he'll be able to see, you know, how he is, especially after winning the baggers thing. And did you see? Did you see him and Hannah were up in Maryland doing yeah. like, a, what is, like what? How did that guy get that lucky? Like Hannah, or lucky to get the job? Like, no, well, both. But I mean the job. <laughs> but I'm saying the job. What? What is Kyle like? What's he? Uh... Well, Hannah's been doing that. So Hannah's been tapped a couple times. She hosts. She's been hosting a few beauty pageants here or there. Obviously, with COVID, it kind of slowed down, and I think that was one of her staples. So my guess is they were probably looking for a co-host. I mean, I, I know that she did it in 2019. I think the same one, and they were probably looking for someone. And she just probably said, "Well, Kyle can do it." So let me ask you this: If you're in Kyle's position, this is a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, you got to think about this. He's going there, and it's. Yeah, there's a whole side of this that would go dark if we started talking about it. I'm sure no, it would go dark if you started talking about it. Yeah, possibly, <laughs> possibly. I already told him I hated him. I think when uh, he was texting me a little bit during it, and yeah, listen, that's just guy. a lot of that's a lot what of a, beauty to be in a room. That's all I'm saying. But but but, hey man, you got it. You got it. Listen, he he said it on social media. It's something he's doing outside his comfort zone. And oh yeah, my I God. Bet. Yeah. My God, if you listened to the interview that I did with Ben Bostrom for the 21 and 21 thing I'm doing, outside the wait. comfort zone is a good thing. It just, yeah, it's too bad that like four minutes of that 30 plus minute interview I did with him and the two hours of conversation that I didn't record just don't get on the air. But it was, he's the best. I've got to oh, love Ben it. is ben the best. Bostrom. I'm so bummed I never really got a chance to talk to him, obviously with him doing the bagger oh, stuff. Oh, you and- have to. He's 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 he's, he's coming riot, back and he? he's coming back in full force, dude. He is what next year? In, he's back in love with motorcycle racing. If there's however many bagger rounds there will be next year, three, five, who knows? He's 100. he's doing them all. He's do, he's doing them all. He's he's reinvigorated in racing. Oh my he's gosh. pumped and what about, about it. Eric, we got to get Eric on here too. Eric and Ben would be fun to interview on here. Yeah, <laughs> no, I do have to get Eric on here because one of the things you know, Eric's got backmate, and what he's doing with that company is great, and and. We've talked about getting him on here and and talking about that as well as racing and stuff. They're they're just such awesome dudes, man. They are great guys, man. I used to go moto with those guys all the time. It was so fun to go with those guys, and they're just yeah. Anyway, so hey, yeah, there was a little race in Assen this weekend. World Superbike showed up there at uh, you know with a lot of hype. There was a lot the of cathedral hype. of speed. Yeah, I mean, you've never. I know you, you know we talked about this. No, you've never I been haven't. there and all no, that. And no. um, why not? 
it's yeah, I've been there once. It was great. Uh, it was great. I woke up. I woke up in my hotel room watching French 125 Grand Prix practice and thinking to myself, "Wow, these guys get started early," only to realize that that my practice was actually going too. I was at the hotel still, and my practice had started. I was so sick, and I, I was I was on Sudafed. Do you remember JT? Oh yeah, your buddy oh, yeah, JT. You JT. So JT yeah. traveled over to Aston with me that particular year. And all I remember is us running down the hallway and JT has a t-shirt on in his underwear. He hadn't even, and he's got his pants in his hand and he's trying to put his pants on going down the hallway. And uh, yeah, he was a riot, but we showed up with about seven minutes to go in maybe 10 minutes to go in practice. What, what, ran, what series is this? World, World Endurance. Endurance. Or, okay. It was World Endurance. And I ran in and I literally threw my leathers on. Hadn't seen one person from the team yet come running into the pit box just as our bike is pulling into the pits, luckily, I was with James Ellison that year, a teammate. Hmm. And here I am, me and James had never met before. And here I am showing up with three minutes to go in Gobert warm style. Up, in, in warm up. Yeah. Anthony but, Gobert style. And I was I was just so sick. I, I had loaded up on Sudafed or whatever I'd loaded up on the night before, whatever, and it knocked me out. But Aston is an incredible place. I think going into this weekend, the hype all about everything was Toprak's going to win this championship now because he's gotten within however many points of Johnny Ray or he was leading him by two points going in. And it, it's kind of funny how, I don't know if it's a, if it's a build up thing, if it's something that people do just to like create a little bit of hope that the championships, you know, not going to go one direction. At the beginning of the weekend, you know, Johnny goes, ends up going quickest right off the bat on Friday. Uh, in the morning session, it was Redding, then it was Ray. And our guy Garrett was right there second. Everything looked promising after Friday's practice. And then Super Bowl happened Saturday. And things all go a bit pear-shaped, if you could say that, for for uh, Garrett right off the bat. It's the second time this year, Greg, where he's not put a banker lap in. And I think this is the beginning of what would turn out to be a pretty turmoil or tumultuous. 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 Yeah, I've got to look at that word. I tried it. Anyways... Very tumultuous, very tumultuous, like, tumultuous, uh, yeah. tumultuous, very, very tumultuous uh, weekend for him. Let's go with topsy turvy. That's Let's like that. British. That's right up your alley. Look, when you put yourself on the back foot like that, you don't put a banker lap in. You got to literally, you got to look at somebody like Garrett, and you got to think a banker lap for him is going to put him probably between eighth and tenth at worst. His his lap at let's say ninety two percent on a Q tire is going to put him probably eighth through tenth somewhere on that on that grid. But you literally, you cannot go out and crash without putting a lap under your belt because it sets you on your back foot all weekend, just like we saw at Mazzano. Yeah, and you can't really use like a first track experience. You know, no. in talking to Steve English after the race, you know, the, the point is, is that a lot of these guys have experience. If there's a bump there, there's a bump there. They know to avoid the bump. They know to give it 12 inches. Or if there is a downhill section here, or there's bad asphalt, whatever it is, right? Yeah. And so yeah. it's like, you know, I don't know. I mean... Well, we'll, get, we'll the- get into some of that here, I think, in a minute. I mean, when we start to look at, uh, you know, uh, race number one, I, it, there was nothing that suggests to me in that race that anybody was going to get near Johnny Ray. Now, you're going to look at it and see that Redding was only 3.33 back, I believe, at the finish. To me, it didn't even seem that close. Um, you know, it's it's uh, one of those things where when you, when you look at what Johnny does – it looked like those guys were a little bit racy at the start. I will say this, in reading some of the stuff that Redding writes, uh, he talks a little bit about how um, 
how his bike gets better towards the end of the races. Like the beginning is a little bit tougher for him. Uh, this race ended on a red flag, Greg, with Jonas Folger crashing out with about two to go, who was actually having a pretty good weekend for him. Ray ends up winning over Redding over Resgatiaglu, who ends up third. Vandemark does a little something for the home crowd there, finishing fourth. Locatelli, this was his kind of come out party, I think, for the week or for the year. Uh, Andrea Locatelli ends up finishing fifth. 600 champion from last year, or Super Sport Championship for, uh, winner last year. Gerloff ends up sixth after coming from 21st on the grid. I mean, there's no doubt that he has speed. His He was only two-tenths off of Johnny Ray's quickest lap of the race. So Gert comes from way back. Joining him back there was Sykes, because if you remember, Greg, Sykes had a problem with his bike in qualifying. He ends up running through the pack and ends up seventh um, behind Garrett. Haslam eighth. Davis ninth, Bassini, who I've been really impressed with this year. He ends up 10th. Some some noticeable non-finishers, obviously. Batista had a rough weekend other than the final race that we'll talk about in a minute. Alex Lowe's tipped over initially in the, uh, the beginning of the race, like third lap, second lap. Rinaldi did the same after running up front. Lucas Mayas had an accident that was so big it took him out of the weekend. Did you watch race one? I did. Yeah. What was your take from it? Same kind of the same thing you did. People kind of put up a fight on Johnny, you know, the first couple laps, and then yeah. he just kind of figured it out and he checked out. And then I don't know, it just seems like th- there's no doubt. Like, World Superbike is very interesting from the perspective of we know that that the front runners, and when I mean front runners, I'm talking Ray Rascaliaglu, Redding, Lowe's, mm-hmm. Rinaldi, Gerloff, Vandemark, Sykes, even Chaz Davis on occasion. And we know that Bautista has speed. I think what's holding them back right now is the is the Honda development. And now you got to throw in Locatelli. So that's 10 and a half people that yeah. have the speed. But what happens in World Superbike that's so evident is like if you get a wrong tire choice or if you just abuse the tires a little bit, it just creates that spread halfway yeah. through the race. And it, it, it's like, ugh. or if you have a problem with the way the qualifying works in Superpole, you know, that it, it puts you on your back foot like that and and you got to charge through the field. So it, it, the thing that impressed me the most, okay, is when Jonathan Ray ends up fastest and then the way he w- wins race one, you go, okay, here we have championship Ray back in action. You know, it's like the, I'm just going to let people do crazy things. I'm just going to stay out of trouble. I'm not going to make that many mistakes. I'm just going to go ahead and go through this. But he's got enough speed where championship Ray goes out and wins races like he did. What's and- impressive is how is, is we talk about this quite a bit in the middle of races. But when you have kind of three, four, five guys tagging on to you, all wanting a piece of you, trying to get up the inside of you, working on you a little bit. He has this ability in the middle of races to, to grind out those gnarly laps. It just allows him to eke away by two tenths here, three tenths there. And then he can really control the last third of the race however he wants. Um, and I think that's the impressive part. Uh, I wasn't, you know, as you could probably tell by most of my comments, I wasn't exactly willing to just go, oh, yep, yeah, you know, top rack's there for the championship now. He is. Don't get me wrong. I'm not trying to disrespect that fact. But I wasn't ready to, ready to just kind of hand it over to to him just yet. Um, Johnny's just too good. Like, he just is able to put those laps together. And I think a lot of that is – just how well he works with his team and what he does. And we'll get into some of the Johnny Ray talk here in a little while, you know, things like we're hearing about Patronus and stuff. But (laughs) I think, I think that when you look at him uh, and what he's able to do, he's just so good at it. The second day, Sunday morning, they're able to take another shot at him in the Super Bowl race. And the Super Bowl race 
was much of the same when you kind of look at what went down in that Super Bowl race. And again, this is going to raise up questions about, you know, the track limits bullshit that is just continuing. And I'm glad to see so many people talking about that now. But Ray goes on and wins this race by 3.5 seconds over what was Top Rack Resgatiaglu second and Locatelli third. What gets changed to Rinaldi second. Resgatiaglu and Locatelli get penalized for for touching the green paint, which to me is, I mean, I, you know, put grass back in. I'm ready for grass. Just put grass back in it. You know, these guys, you know, they run over the grass, they run over the grass They, you know, I don't remember seeing too many guys run off into the grass and cause big gigantic accidents. And it, it, it's gotten to the point now where race control is too involved. I hate it more than anything in the world. We're sitting there waiting in park for me, watching guys stand there staring at each other to see if, Somebody in a booth is going to come down and say, oh, by the way, you got penalized. Crazy to me. Redding ends up fifth. Lowe's ends up sixth in this race. Sykes, Gerloff fights himself from in 10 laps, again, from 21st to, uh, to to eighth in this race. Chaz ends up ninth. Bassini ends up 10th. What was your overall look at the at the Super Bowl race? Mm, I don't know. I just thought it was kind of much the same as, as the first race. Yep. Didn't you? I mean, yeah. You know, we hear about tire selection and stuff. What's interesting to me is 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 how do I explain this? Like Johnny Ray and his crew are going like, okay, the this X tire that they race, which is the softer tire, everybody's using it, so we got to make it work. Yeah. But they know that they're a little bit better on the harder tire. Yeah. And you know, they made that change in race too. But there, the the pass that Johnny Ray made for the lead hmm. was like. He, he just, it just seems right now, Jason, that Johnny Ray can look at a racetrack just slightly differently in some spots that other people haven't looked at before and he won't reveal it until he needs to. Yeah, but he never looks, he never looks out of shape going by guys. That's what and I'm saying. Like it, everything looks under control. It's like he still has another little step if he needed to make it. Uh, don't get me wrong. He's riding at the limit and I get that, but he, it it never looks like he's having to over try to get on the back of somebody that passes him or has to get over the top trying to make a pass on somebody else. Like it always just looks under control. He's able to just kind of ride around with guys, do his thing. Um, I mean, that's that's what makes him so dangerous now, you know. And you know, it wouldn't surprise me, Jason, is me. if they had either he Johnny Ray does the research himself, or they have someone in the team that <clears throat> al- almost acts like a catcher and a pitcher relationship in baseball. They have information on each one of the riders. Like this yeah. is what we know about this rider. If Top Rack gets out there because Johnny never seems bothered, even if for some reason he's dropping back, like race two is the perfect example. He goes race two, right? Where he yeah, was like six or something, six or something. And he just kind of goes, okay, I get it. Top Rack's out there or something. Cause we've seen this before and he's just going to go and I'll give him two seconds. And I know that this guy's going to struggle this part of the race with this tire combination or something like it, it feels like that, like almost yeah. like yeah, yeah, that, yeah. They, that they're, they have someone, you know, who's watching tape, watching film, who's studying these, looking these for guys. tendencies, looking, looking, for looking for trends, looking for trends, looking for trends and saying, all right, if you're in this situation, this is what this person really trends. So have this tool in your toolbox to fight against them. There's a bad example, just, by the way, saying talk rec was out there. No, <laughs> a bad example. 
No, but I'm saying it. I know what you're saying. But it happened earlier for race two. For race two, I mean. But it yeah, but it happened earlier this year where Top Rack got a lead and Johnny was in second, and there was a couple like two and a half seconds, and then Johnny just kind of yeah. But don't you think that that's the maturity of knowing that there's twenty something laps left in the race? Like there's there's a point there where you go like I'm going to trust the package that I have underneath me because Johnny Ray's going to get everything out of it that he possibly can. I mean, we saw it at at Donington is is where I really remember because do you remember how many times he almost tossed it on the ground? In race one at Donington, when Top mm. Rack just did that incredible first lap that I talked yeah. about, and 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 Johnny did everything he could to stay with him, and then he had a couple of big warnings and went like, "Okay, that's fine. Take your, I, I'll get second, and we'll fight to, you know another day." And it was just a weird weekend at Donington, but but you know this particular weekend, I mean, the guy's won now. He's won thirteen races at that race at that track. I mean, when you put it in that kind of perspective where there's a lot of guys out there that have won two and three world superbike races in their careers. And this guy's won 13 at one. These are like Tiger Woods type numbers. I used to always laugh that Tiger Woods would win, you know, one golf tournament. He's won like Firestone up in Ohio, like eight times. And you think Mm. guys won eight times just in, just in that tournament. And there's guys that have one PGA tour win that defines their careers. This guy's won eight times in one place. Kind of the same thing. Johnny Ray's just, just unbelievably dominant. So we'll rip through the race two results real quick because I know the hold big on, talking hold on. point. Real yeah, question. How many yeah. more races does he have to win in Aston before they name a corner after him? That's the question. Well, how many tracks is he going to go to where they're going to name a corner <laughs> after him? <laughs> I mean, at that yeah, stage, uh, the guy is just, it's unreal. And there's so many things, little talking points about him. Race two, he ends up winning race two by 1.6 seconds over Redding, who I, I think overall Redding didn't have a horrendous weekend. Like I, you know, he is just struggling with certain things. You hear him talking about like when he, he can't really get a good start on this bike. He struggles a lot passing people, which then heats up his front tire, especially when he gets in behind people for Reading. That really seems to make a point because there was a site, uh, there was a point in this race where I thought Reading was actually going backwards and he actually just was stuck. And then once he gets through his pace is actually pretty good. Um, once he gets through, Redding ends up second over Locatelli, who again, tremendous weekend for Locatelli. Chaz Davis ends up fourth after what Dude, he Locatelli said. Locatelli led the race. Locatelli he led the did race so and, good. And he I did mean, a great job leading the race. Like, yeah, can't say I, enough I, about it. Yeah. yeah. Really, really good. I mean, I think that the reason I'm brushing over it is because I know there's a bigger issue that you and I want to talk about or have to talk yeah, about. Yeah. I mean, results to results to talk about. Point, it. it was kind of the same but, race, more or less, except. <clears throat> but Locatelli, you know, I know his crew chief, Andrew Pitt, really well. And I went back and forth with him after the race. And, uh, you know, we were talking about track limits thing in race in the Super Bowl race and how proud he was that the fact that the kid comes out and he leads the second race for, I mean, I mean, he didn't just lead it. He led it for like, what, eight or nine laps, like 10 laps. And even after Ray got by him, I was so impressed with how Locatelli went with him. Did you notice that? Like, yeah, it wasn't lapsed like right he, onto him. Yeah, it was amazing. It was for great. For a few laps, too. It wasn't just like one Hail Mary. He was on him for maybe, what, three, four laps? Yeah. And what that does for a guy like him. Like what it does for a guy like him in that situation to be able to kind of go with, you know, to go with Johnny and see and learn. Um, and then the same thing with Redding. Redding got by him and he kind of went with him. Chaz Davis, again, it, a mystery, a little bit of a mystery. Um, he was going forward in this race. And then you could tell the drop off he had in his tires right at the end because it looked like he had something for Redding uh, and Locatelli. It looked like he was going forward. Then he kind of drops off. Batista ends up fifth in this race. Uh, a crazy weekend for him again, you know, crashing out of, um, you know, I think he had like three crashes on the weekend, but Batista ends up fifth in this one, Vandermark sixth, Vandermark had crashed out of the Super Bowl race earlier that day. So he ends up sixth, Alex Lowe's ends up seventh, uh, Rinaldi eighth, Bassini ninth, Haslam 10th. Um, 
yeah, I think that that when you look at race two, I mean, look, we got to go to the start because that's all everybody's talking about right now. We don't want to beat up on Garrett too much, but the the fact of the matter is, Greg, is it doesn't seem like he's learning from some of the mistakes he's made. I read online people that are trying to get on Garrett's bandwagon here about, you know, Top Rack was the fault here. No, Top Rack was not at fault here. This was 100% on Garrett. Uh, Garrett has come out and probably admitted so, whether he believes that or not through a Yamaha press release or not. Um, when I watched this race, I just put my hands, put my head in my hands. I just, I, you know, I, I couldn't believe what I saw, to be honest with you. Yeah, I mean, I feel the same way you do. And it's it's at the point now where it's like, you know, what do you really say about this? You know, if do you say what, what's on your mind? And you got to. I mean, it's and, and you just I, I go, love Garrett. Oh, I mean, I, I love Garrett, too. And at the risk fan. of never having him on the podcast again, I guess it's just it's baffling right now. I just don't understand. I know the kid has got a better head on his shoulders. I've, I know he can learn on a motorcycle. I mean, this the speed he's built over the last four years to get to where he's, where he is currently in terms of just his, his speed. But it's, I, I, I mean, I wish I had an answer, but I have my hands. I have my head in my hands when he did it to Ray at Aragon, the lap prior to him doing what he did to Ray, he had got by Alex Lowe's going down the back straightaway at Aragon drafted by him and made a pass. He was in that exact same position to do the same thing at Aragon again. Uh, And he chooses to go up underneath Johnny in a horrendous place to do so. And people are going to be like, Oh, you're ragging the guy. Cause you know, racing is aggressive. I get that. Trust me. I get that. And I've never been at the level that these guys have been at. But I also realize that, that that Garrett has the potential to win these races. And he's taking that potential and not doing anything with it because of mistakes that are being made. And whether he, like you say, I, I text Garrett literally Friday. I went back and forth with him, congratulating him on his new signage and this and that. What you got to look at here, for me and Greg, I'm just going to talk for a second, is that Yamaha has put their trust in this kid. They've signed him. Hey, we believe in you. We're four races into this season. We believe in you. We're going to give you a contract extension. Right then and there, you've got a manufacturer that believes that you can win. We all know that he can win. Greg, there's one guy. There's one guy that Gerloff cannot get close to. One guy that he cannot touch. There's one guy that is off limits, and that's Top Rack. Top Rack is the guy that Yamaha has staked to win the championship this year. There was all this stuff about it. You cannot do what happened in turn one. It's 21 laps left in the race. You finally got it to where your weekend has turned around because it got botched by you crashing in, in Super Bowl. You've had to come from the last row in two races. Now you've got this incredible start. Filter in. Filter in and run your race. You cannot touch top rack in turn one at Aston. You cannot do that. I don't know what else more there is to say about it, honestly. Can't do I it. I mean, he's just, he's just got to start using his head. You know, and People from, say, from my- oh, Top Rack turned in on him and this and that. Look, at the end of the day, if you go back and you watch Top Rack's on board and you see everybody else checking up going into turn one, that's what you do. You've got a field of 30 riders going into turn one. It's, it's one of those things where you've got to be smart enough. And Garrett's done turn one a million times in his life in a million races where he's got through it a million times. Um but if you watch, everybody checks up. Garrett hasn't checked up yet. And it's the same type of crash. Hammer the front brakes. Bike gets out of control, just like it did with Rinaldi, just like it did with Ray, where he's in there too deep and he's hammering the lever. The bike comes around on him. Now the bike is a little bit out of control. You've ruined the geometry of the bike, and now you're not slowing down. It's the same accident that we've seen three times. But but 
but to, to his defense, it wasn't. If you, I watched the replay probably a hundred times. Yeah, okay, me just, too. Just yep. It's it wasn't that bad out of shape like it was Ronaldi's. I mean, I I, no, I know no, what you're no, saying. No, 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 no. But it initially nope. starts when he snatches the brakes. But you got to get through turn one. There's 21 laps left. No, I know that. And then and the, bo- the bottom line is you can't win the race in turn one. You can't. And there's a there's, thing where you're being aggressive, and then there's a thing where it's like, okay, hey, look, if I'm coming from the third row, and I see that I've gotten by a full row of people, like I'm already starting race. The, I'm starting the, the final race of the weekend here, race two on Sunday. I'm starting it in a better position. I'm going to go into turn one. I'm going to accept that I'm third or fourth into turn one. There's nothing wrong with that. Now you can run your race. Now you can show your pace. Um, but you've got to, it, there's just an, an absolute unwritten rule here. If you're Garrett, Yamaha's put all this, the stake in you. And I think I, and I, and I tried to play devil's advocate to myself, like, had no one, none of those other incidents happened between Ray and Rinaldi, this is still the most unaccepted thing that you could have had happen. I can't even imagine when it happened. I was sitting with somebody, and when it happened, I said he should pull in because his head's going to be so twisted, sister. Now looking back and seeing, you know, top rack on the ground, and and people sit there and go, oh, and then he had the the audacity to like wave, like like, hey, that that little wave that he did was like, oh my God, I can't believe what just happened here. That was not a that was not directed at Top Rack, I don't believe, um, without talking to Garrett. Um I can't imagine how awful he has to feel about this whole thing. Uh I mean he's got to feel awful. Um what can you say? What can he say? Uh and then he ends up crashing on top of it after that. Um the, I just I I literally felt her horrendously bad for him when I saw him walking out of the gravel. I think reputation He's built a, a, a bad reputation yeah. quickly. Yep. I think the fact that everyone except Kawasaki, and I mean everyone, from fans to sponsors to the series to the other riders, are desperate for a race in this championship. And I think that you know you you add all that stuff together, and you go from row three and try to lunge for the lead. The thing is, is you can speculate on what is, what could have been, had he been able to pull that off, if he was half a wheel, you know, in front and in Top Rack's field of view, it would have given Top Rack a moment to stand the bike up and not just turned it in. Yeah. But he just didn't make that pass. And would he have made it? I think so. I think he would have. But anyway, well, it doesn't really matter. Well, the thing that really sucks matter. about it, even to me, is when I read Garrett's, you know, when I read the press release, and at this point, we don't know. If, I mean, these press releases get written now. They could be written by somebody that says, "Hey, Greg, do you think this is? Will you will you go with all this? Yeah, I will. Okay, and send it out. I mean, who knows what really is going well, let, on? Let me let me read it to everyone in case you haven't. Yeah, because this is Garrett's quote from the press release. I'm devastated, and I can only apologize to Top Rack and to Yamaha for today. I got a good start from the third row of the grid. I felt the contact in turn one, but I didn't realize it was Top Rack until I looked back. I'm sorry for him." as he paid a big price for my or yeah for my mistake but also for Yamaha we have worked tirelessly to mount a championship challenge and what he means is we as Yamaha mm-hmm. i can only apologize to both although i am well aware this won't change the outcome unquote so yeah, there's the, pro- the frame of reference what do you think the biggest problem i have with that is i felt contact in turn 1 but i didn't realize it was top rack until i looked back how do you not realize that i don't know like to me to me, I again, I can say that that you always know who you're racing with. You always see what's going on. If you're going in there with your head down and you don't even know who you're going up underneath, or you don't even know, 
what's going on there. I, again, I am not, I, I want everybody to realize I'm not railing Garrett here. I, I'm just saying that. No, and I don't want to pick this press release apart word for word for no, word. No, 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 like I'm not doing that either. Into. I'm it's not, not about that. that but it was a red I, I flag to laugh. me too. I also, to I, I, I just, you always know who you're going up underneath. And if you don't, if you don't have it to where in your conscious mind, if you say that Yamaha's like putting a challenge together to win the championship, then you know that the one guy that you can't do this to is the guy you just did it to. And, you know, I've seen people make, comments on Twitter about uh, about stuff. I love how the fact that oh they took he took 25 points away from Top Rack. No he didn't. Top Rack wasn't winning this weekend. I don't care. No, of course what not. What says hey, 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 any more than Top Rack could have gone 10 turns on his own and tipped off by himself. We you can't predict what who would have got 25 points. There that you know, so it's not like Garrett did that. Um the 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 longer lasting impression of this for me is how he's going to be reflected now on in the championship, we already know. I already know what he was, what it was like even last year when he, I think he got together with Sykes and Laverty last year. Um, I mean, so well, I, hold I, on, hold on. Before you, so, so what does Garrett Gerloff have to do to reel this thing back in? Because there's, there's, there's a couple things. There's a couple things here, I think. And when you look at, when you look at what Garrett is, uh, the, 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 the talking point for me on this is how impressed I've been that Garrett went over there on his own. I cannot express enough what I think of Garrett. I love the guy. I mean, I do. And uh, the fact that he went over there and did all this on his own, I think he's got to realize that, hey, I've made it. Like, I'm here. I haven't won a race yet, but I have enough eyes on the world that know that I'm capable of winning races. I think he's got to knock it back a notch. I think him knocking it back a notch is not gonna. It's not going to hurt his lap times. I think he's got to... If you look at if you look at the MO for Garrett, every single race weekend, it seems there's something that happens where it puts him on the back foot. And yeah, he's able to go through the paddock and, or through the field during these races. And yeah, those are great rides. But we never really get an opportunity to see how great Garrett is because there's something that is always happening where there's an overriding part of the of a session or of a lap where he puts himself right on the back foot. And he's never capable of going out and putting those great weekends together. He's got podium pace, but at the end of the weekend, we usually see him on the podium once. I think he's got five podiums this year. I think. I know you're the stats guy. You'd probably be able to correct me on that. But he's got. I think he's two, got this year. He's only has two. I think okay, he's got one. Is he at Donington? I thought he yeah, had which, one. But oh, you know what? I always see him on the podium because of the independent rider thing. Sorry. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, what yeah. I always so, see. So I think he's got a Super Pole podium and he's got a, a a longer race podium, race two at Don or yeah, full race distance race two at Donington, yeah. I believe. But we just see certain things where it's like there's something that's not quite um gelling for him. Uh because he's got the pace to win these races. He's got the pace to compete for wins in these races, but he never actually quite gets there because there's always something that disrupts his weekend or something that, that happens. So I think that when you look at it, it's like Garrett's got to realize and he's got to run. He's got to really put some, he's got to put a clean rest of the year together to really gain the trust back of some of these writers. If you go on crash.net and you read the stuff that Scott Redding um, wrote, or was it bike sport? I can't remember what it was. I think it was bike sport news. Anyways, um, the stuff you the stuff you texted me. Yeah, no, no, that's different stuff. I texted to you, but oh. if you go on there, uh, Redding actually talks about some stuff um, on bike sport news and it's, I, you know, it's really, really well said. It's really, really well put. Everybody loves Garrett. Um, and and I, I just, 
I hate seeing him in this position because it's, you know, he's going to bed at night thinking about it. He's waking up in the morning thinking about it. He's probably never been in the, the, the media eye as much as he is right now. And when he rolls out at the next round, um, and when he rolls out at the right next round, I mean, who, who's to know really what's, what's going on there. I just think that you have to, if you're going to reel this thing back in, I think one of the things that he needs to do is basically race for Yamaha race for top rack, right? Like to, to, to be able to say, instead of, I have to go out, I have to win. I have to do this. I have to podium. It's like, how can I help, you know, this company at this point, that's the only way he could really reel it back in with Yamaha. I just, you know, if he goes out and wins a bunch of races, great, but Yamaha's about trying to win this championship and they've been spending a lot of money over the years to get this thing done. And, mm-hmm. you know, I'm not saying that's all you're going to do the rest of the season, but if you're in a position, and I'm not saying if he's 15 seconds out front and top racks in second and Johnny's in third, that he rolls off the throttle and lets top rack go by. I'm not saying that, but there's got to be some fundamental shift, you know, in, yep. in his brain that basically slows him down just a, a, a half a percent in a way, you know, it's. Yeah. We well, don't like, want to take the, the hardest part is, is as a racer, you don't want to take the aggression completely out of somebody. But there comes a point where you've got to, got to realize your situations, um, got to realize what's what's going on. I mean, I and mean, the bottom the, line is, Jason, it's this is a one hundred percent a Garrett Gerloff thing. He's the one who's got to figure it out. Yeah, There's no one. This and, isn't and a whether he's got anybody issue, over there with him a, helping him, or yeah, but you get or, what I'm saying. Like it's not it's not a team thing. It's not a bike issue. It's not a grip issue. It's just a Garrett thing. And I have full confidence in Garrett that he oh, will get no this question. thing sorted. Okay. Yeah. But right now it just seems like those first three incidents of the year or whatever it was, two or three or bleeding over from last year. This is the one where you go, dude, what are you doing? Well, the thing is, is that, is that the Mazzano thing, I go back to that and how much pace he had there. And he was already going to start from the last row. If you remember in race one, because of what had happened at the race in Portugal right before that. Okay. He took out Rinaldi they gave him, uh, you got to start from the last row for race one at Mazzano. Okay. You go out and qualifying, at least put up a good number so that on Sunday you put yourself in the right place. And he goes out and <clears throat> tosses it down the road on his, on his first lap. Now, to me personally, I would make the biggest mental check note of I cannot do that again. Like I legitimately cannot do that again. I have to get a banker lap in because it screws your whole weekend up. And to see him go out and fall in the first uh, lap for second corner of this super pole. Now, if you watch that accident and he runs over the curbing and he's come out and said, I ran over that curbing all MotoGP weekend. I ran over that curbing all weekend on the Superbike on Friday, at least. But you got to remember when you put a softer tire on, you're hitting that curbing going faster because his exit speed out of turn one put him over that curbing at, you know, whatever it was, six kilometer quicker, I think he said. And that's going to affect things. You, you've got to know that kind of stuff, I think, when you're at his level. Um, and I didn't see anybody else really fall there all weekend. So it's kind of a weird place to tip off. Um, and his bike, if you watch it, poor kid, the bike slides on its right side. <clears throat> that last little, and then the bike flips once. And it looks like it snapped the tail section off or what it wouldn't start or whatever the case is. So he couldn't get back. Your weekend screwed at that point. You're starting yeah. the last row. You're starting the last row for two races out of three, and it just puts you on the back foot. So by race by race three, okay, race the the second race on Sunday, 
he's itching for a result because he feels like, hey, Yamaha just put all this stock into me. I've had a bad weekend. I got to go out and do well in this race. If it's if it's the last lap of the race and he has a chance to win and he has an incident like what had happened, okay, maybe I get it. But still, there's that one guy that you can't touch. If it's the last lap of the race going into turn one and Top Rack's leading and Johnny Ray's third or fourth or fifth, unless you can absolutely make the cleanest pass that you could possibly make, you can't do it. You just cannot touch that guy. Don't care whose fault it is. Can't touch him. Got to stay away from him. So I feel bad. Um, you know, I've seen the supporters out there for, uh, it's Top Rack's fault. No, it's not Top Rack's fault. It's the first lap of 21. Everybody's checking up. You need to do the same. That's my opinion. It's a, it's a hard one. Cause I just, like, I love the kid. I, I root for him so hard. You have no idea. And, I knew when you and I talked about this, it wasn't going to be like the easiest thing in the world to talk about, but, but that's kind of my position on it. I feel bad for him. Well, I, I just got a press release that came over uh, from Yamaha racing that says Locatelli scores first podium in a difficult Aston weekend for Yamaha. And they are talking to, <coughs> I believe they're talking to the team principal, uh, Dosoli, And he has a quote in here as saying, This is about the Garrett incident. We can't blame the turn one incident on bad luck as it's clearly a misjudgment on Garrett's part. Garrett has shown he's a great talent on numerous occasions already, but there are still areas for improvement. We will continue to work closely with Garrett to eliminate these errors that have cost him points more than once this season. He clearly has the potential to be a championship contender in the future, but to realize that potential he needs to better manage the situation in races, especially when he's in a position to finish on the podium. Yeah. It's, so, it, it, it just goes, that's everything that you and I just said. Exactly. And, but, but it's good to hear that from the team because as the team, as the Yamaha, as a, you know, yeah. they're saying, as we an organization, to, we're going to continue to work with Garrett to, you, to help him, guide him, mentor him, you know, that type of thing. Yeah. And I don't know who Garrett's got over there with him. It seems like guys come out of the woodworks start talking about him all the time when he's doing great. But then, you know, like right now I feel bad because the, Obviously, he. I hope he's got somebody over there that he can talk to. Mm-hmm. Here's the thing: is that is that Yamaha themselves? I think the thing that makes us worse is that they had already shown what Gasol had just said in that press release. They they signed Garrett already. I yeah. mean, he's already signed. But going into this weekend, hey, we we believe in you. We trust you. We want you to have a long term future here. The kids in MotoGP talks. He's. I mean, he's everywhere. Like he did this on his own by showing his talent. And his willingness to get over there on his own dime, this he, he is showing the drive. Now, Garrett needs to realize, I'm as good as all these other guys. I don't need to keep trying to prove myself and overriding things or making big mistakes. Let's settle down a little bit and get ourselves into a place, into a mode. And that's what I'd love to see out of him. So We believe in you, Garrett. Yeah, Keep it wow, going, buddy. thousand percent. Hey, another signing that we saw come across our tables this morning, Alex Lowe's has signed on for 2022 with Kyle again. Happy for him. I know he's going through some stuff. I know I know uh, a little bit about Alex. I know that there's some things that he's going through right now physically. And, you know, even watching him on the weekend, man, I'm watching it. And in the first, I don't know, I, mostly the, 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 the practices and stuff, I could just tell he wasn't himself. I could tell. And Alex keeps his cards to his chest a little bit. Um, but, but the thing is, is that physically he just didn't look great on the motorcycle itself. 
Um, I know he's got a great thing there. I know he loves the team. I know he gets on with Johnny fairly well. All that stuff has got to play into the hands of for Kawasaki to realize, hey, we've got some team unity here. We've got enough going on where things are things are good. Um, he's fourth in the championship right now. Um, and 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 I, you know, let's it's not good forget to see him too, get He jumps yeah. on a bike that he didn't know, right? New bike during Correct. COVID, which wasn't a full year. Yeah, they changed the bike. Obviously, it hasn't been the perfect transition for those guys for whatever reason, whether it's RPMs and the gearbox or suspension or whatever it's been, because obviously Johnny was, you know, was, was a little vulnerable there the last couple of races. And so you have to say, okay. And then you add on the fact that, you know, that there's some injuries or whatever's going on with Alex on that front. And you say to be fourth in the points right now. Oh yeah. It's way behind your teammate, but nonetheless, it's like, what it's, it's a Kawasaki, a Yamaha, a Ducati, and then yeah. another Kawasaki. So you look at that and you go, dude, he needed at least one more year. I don't think he got a fair shake at it just yet. I think he needs one more year wow. to be healthy, to get things sorted out, to get this bike working. And and I don't, I don't think, I, I mean, he's going to win races. There's no doubt. Well, I think. Al- I think that what's funny is, is he has won races. And the when we talk about the COVID year and stuff, the first year he signed with them, if you remember, he he comes out and wins right off the bat at Phillip Island. I mean, he left Phillip Island. In March of 2000, uh, yeah, was it last year? Last yeah, year, 2020, yeah. yeah. Less, leaves there last year, leading the points, and then COVID hits. Mm-hmm. And you're 100% right. But at Phillip Island, with tire situations, and if you remember that weekend, it was like he was always running like fifth, sixth, seventh, but he was he was really putting the, the, the time into his sessions on race rubber, and it really paid off for him in the races, which was outstanding. So he comes out and sets the bar pretty high for himself right off the bat by winning. Um, but that'll be his third year on now with Cowie going into next year. Uh, the press release also came out that said that him and Johnny Ray and Lucas Mayas are going to be riding at the eight hour in November. Yeah. Can't tell you how lucky those guys are to have that race in November, as opposed to right now, <laughs> obviously with the Don't Olympics. Be Don't be jealous. Between, between the Olympics and between obviously the, the COVID situation, they moved that race to November. That's going to be much, although I don't know what it's going to be like over in Japan in November. I don't know. Well, there's a big question mark as to what might even happen with GP coming in October because yeah. obviously there's there's a, this Delta variant is starting to spread and you know so so the whole thing is kind of a you know we're back in a way to not really sure what's going to happen so hopefully you know things settle down and all this racing happens and yeah. and everything is kind of getting back to normal but no, we'll see no what happens question. no question well um, World Superbike goes I guess Greg what in two weeks they go to most is that where they go yeah where most. They yeah, go to in, most in, Czech. In the Czech Republic. Yeah. yeah. So they're they're gonna be headed there right now. What's the points? Is it like 37 again now? For uh, Ray? yeah, 243 to 206. So yep, 37. Yeah, 37 points. And um yeah, I, I I didn't have that pulled up. So but but uh yeah, I just think that that Johnny kind of came in, did his Johnny thing over Assen weekend, <laughs> kind of showed that the you know, he's not ready to give this up. What do you think of real quickly, like I mean, we got to get on our boy Chuck, don't we? We're gonna have to like sit did. him down. Are I you already did. on him? Did you handcuff him? We got to handcuff him to a chair. No. no, let's see. I sent him it. So Chuck Axlin is Johnny's manager, but it didn't go over as a. I sent him an image, which was a screen grab from an article that basically said something about Johnny Ray going to Patronus or whatever. And I texted him and I said, anything you want to tell us about this podcast? That was yesterday at three o'clock in the afternoon. Here we are nearly 24 hours later and I have a 0.0 response. Wow. So. What a shock. <laughs> Our boy Chuck. 
<laughs> yeah. 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 The COO of Moto America is Johnny Ray's manager, by the way, everybody, just so you know. Just um, so that's, you know. So we, we try to get information out of him and he, he never. Poker, poker faces us with a smile. All the time. He'll, the problem with Chuck Axon is, is he's a ball buster, right? So oh, yeah. he loves to bait you. So if he smiles, then says something, you can't trust anything after the smile. Yeah. Nothing that comes out of his cake. Uncle Skip, you know what I'm talking about. I yes, know you're listening. Does. Anytime Axon smiles and says something, it's like, uh, I'll ask you later. Yeah. <laughs> I don't I still, trust him. Chuck needs to write a book. I still think he needs to write a book. Johnny Ray to MotoGP would be absolutely wonderful. I don't know why he'd do it. I mean, at this yeah, point, there's no reason for him to do he's, it. He's moved back. To, you know, he's moved back to his his homeland. He's you know settling into his life in a different way. I think, you know, there's got to be huge, huge money. When when I read the stuff that I read about it, it's it. The thing is, is that if you look at every last thing, he's got a home with Kawasaki. I mean, they, he is the guy. Yeah different tires not going to be able to take his crew it's it's a setup for it's a setup for i don't want to say it's a setup for failure it's not a setup for failure because they'll figure some of the stuff out if they really are serious about it um what is he 34 years old 35 years old right but, but i don't care about the age i really don't care about the age it's a matter of how much time can he get on the bike and who are the people around him well, it, it, that's what it's about the question becomes first of all why would you leave the best team with the best bike in a world championship to go to the B team. Like, wow. I, like, like the B team though has proven to win races. Let's just be fair. Patronus has won races. Yeah. Last. Well, Look, you yeah. can't, you can't do it this year. I mean, this year it's, it's shit, but, but the, the so-called B team did show that they could win races. Yeah. But still dude, I don't know. I well, mean, the, the problem is, is that if he doesn't do well there at tarnish, I, well, I'm, I'm not saying this from my perspective, but if he does, if he goes to MotoGP and doesn't do well, it, I feel like a lot of people would be like, yeah, see, the level of World Superbike sucks. And it's like, no, it's not that. It's, But, dude, if you don't have the right people around, you see right now, he's got it all. He's got a great bike with a great team. I don't think that the Kawasaki's head and shoulders above every other bike out there. No, it's not. Not even They're, close. You can if see you put Johnny on a Ducati, you put Johnny on a Yamaha, he's winning the championship. Sure. Like, no question. He's going to figure it out. But – that only matters if you have the right people around you. Like, honestly, if you put Johnny on a Ducati and he doesn't have the right guys around him, he doesn't win. The same hey, thing did, on you, a did you notice at Aston, like to me watching Johnny ride, it was the most um, apparent that I've seen in the races this year that he's, he's changed his riding style, that he's, he's moving his body more off the bike. Did you notice that? Did that hit you at all? Uh not really. It didn't really okay. like, he just looked like Johnny to me just doing his yeah, thing. No, he, just, you know, he, remember he made that adjustment to his riding last year. Well, he was, did it at Aragon. It was that, that was the big thing at Aragon is that he was, you know, getting off the bike more, which is fair enough. I mean, great. Um, yeah, he was definitely doing it at Assen. I noticed. And yeah. that's the thing about Johnny. Like, you know, the one thing that he could surprise us if this deal was actually sitting out in the ether somewhere is that he would just go, okay, new challenge. I'll go for it. Because yeah, if he just writes down the pros and the cons, it'd be interesting to see what he feels like are. I, I don't see that. I don't see. I don't see the pros outweighing the cons. That said, do I think he's capable of doing well in MotoGP? One thousand percent, I do. I think he's course, more than capable. Talent wise, there's no doubt, right? Yeah, like, come on. They, but but here's the thing: we don't even know anything. I mean, this could be one of those Italian media. They were, you know, there's there's we're a month off in GP. There's not much going on. Let's just go ahead and make a story up. I mean, yeah, you know, never it know. happens in Italian media. Hundred. What do we got? We got is MotoGP start 
Do they start next weekend? No, two weeks, weekend? I think. Two weeks. Because Bobier's leaving to go back to Spain, I think he said, next Tuesday. Got it. So I got to talk to him tomorrow for the 21 and 21. But you know what? Racing did happen. As we are so deep into this podcast, yep. thank you for listening to us. We do have Pro Motocross, and we're going to brush over it because we're so deep. But Chase Sexton ends up winning the overall. He goes 1-3, so the factory Honda rider gets a win. Tomac finally gets a little consistent, Jay. He yep. goes 2-2. Dylan yep. Ferrandis, your championship points, he goes 5-1 for third place. Muscan was in the mix, too. He goes 3-5. Barsha, Cooper Webb, Plessinger, Christian Craig, Kenny Roxon, dude, 6-10. What? And Joey Savacci <laughs> yeah. in your top 10. So another one of those kind of thingy majiggy bobbers. In the championship points, you have Dylan Washugal, Ford. by the way, up in Washington. Yeah, sorry, Washugal. Yeah. yeah. One of my favorites. If you saw the if you saw the race, you saw the fans, dude. It's it was really, a yeah. beautiful yeah. day. And uh three hundred and three points for Ferrandis with five rounds to go, ten motos to go. Three oh three over two fifty-six for Ken Roxon. Roxon did himself no favors in the championship. And for Roxon, these last four races have been zero points scored at Spring Creek, the first one, then a win, and then fifteen and eleven points. You know, so all right. So, it, so when you look at that though, at the first the first moto of the of the race at Spring Creek, um, at Millville, he 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 got he had a huge crash in turn one. Like mm-hmm. he was on the ground out, didn't even know if he was coming back. Then he comes back and wins race two. This is the craziest thing about Ken Roxon to me, though. Like. I look at like a guy like Ken Roxon. I look at Tomac. I look at Ferrandis. Let, let's take Ferrandis in this particular case. I look at Ferrandis and I go, on his worst day, even if he's sick, he's top five guy. Like mm. he's got to have something really, really, really super wrong with him to not be top five guy. Like, like even if you watch the second moto of that the the race here uh, at Washougal, did you watch the races? Mm-hmm. Okay, like when Tomac's coming. My opinion, again, this is where we got to get Weege involved because my opinion is when Tomac's coming, not too many people hold Tomac off. Like, like when he starts to trounce through the field, he's going forward, and it is a joy to watch him. And Ferrandis is leading the race and doesn't necessarily have to win, let's just say, because he's got to beat Roxon. And Roxon on this day ends up, what was it, sixth and tenth or something? Mm-hmm. Um and Roxon, they, they came out afterwards. If you look at his social media, they came out and said, you know, Roxon said he was sick or he was ill or, you know, he was sick during the week. And I get how grueling motocross is. Ugh. I get it. But but Roxon still, to me, just in talent and everything else, like I, my opinion is that he still is a top five guy, even when he's not at his best. And But in this particular case, Tomac chasing Frandis, sorry, I got off point. He's chasing Ferrandis, and Ferrandis just digs deep, finds with two, three to go, finds that extra little bit to just stall Tomac in his tracks of not being able to catch him. And Ferrandis wins Moto 2. I mean, that guy wants it so bad, Greg, that that he wins Moto 2 after finishing fifth in Moto 1, really not going forward. Ferrandis didn't really go forward that much in race one. He kind of kind of gets crappy starts, but, man, the guy gets gets a great start in race two and it just checks out. Yeah, when Tomac gets ahead of steam – Oh. It's rare. It's a rare occasion where we see someone hold them off, and to me, that 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 particular situation in in Moto Two when Tomac was coming and Ferrandis answered, I was like, mm, "Okay, there's a championship run right there, just in a different way." When you see Ferrandis finish third a couple races back, when they told him, "Hey, slow down because your bike's smoking," mm-hmm. that that to me is the telling point of the season. I mean, he was so pissed off that he finished third, and I think he won the overall that day, or maybe he got second overall, whatever it was. 
it's like he was not stoked. And when you see that guy that driven, like I honestly believe that if Ferrandis comes into the next race with the flu, he's sick. He's going to dig deep and he's going to figure out a way to muster up the energy to do two races. Like this is, this to me from the outside looking in is what will set him above everybody else in outdoor, especially. I kind of feel the same way about Cooper Webb and Supercross. If Cooper Webb is not well on a night, he's going to do everything he can and he's going to finish top five. No matter what, he's going to finish, figure out a way to get top five, dig deep and do it. And when I see Tomac or when I see Roxon go, Win the moto just a week before. Okay, he may have got it sick, I, but to go six ten to me, just I don't think I don't think Francis is worried about him in the championship. I don't know how far Tomac is behind. Tomac's like fifty plus back, isn't he? Do you know? I'll have yeah, you look I, it up. Yeah, but, Tomac is yeah fifty four. So fifty four. I mean, and with eight behind. rounds to go, there's still a chance of him being able to do something. Obviously, Tomac could still come through and win. Um, but I don't see Roxon doing that. But I see, and even though Roxon's won however many motos this year, and he's extremely fast, Tomac would be the danger guy. And it's only, but but then again, Tomac would go out and finish eighth in a moto, and then win the second moto, and go like, oh, I, I don't know what happened, you know. <laughs> so who knows? But I enjoy hey, watching it. Shout out to Ryan Sipes who came back. He finishes fourteenth and twentieth. I mean, he gets seven points in the first moto, dude. Yeah. There's forty. There's forty people that line up to the gate. And he finishes 14th, Ryan Sipes. I mean, part, you know, part timer, part time, way part time, part timer and everything, part time and track. And you get him on a road race do, bike. That's the only thing he doesn't do, I think, is road racing. I mean, I you watch, have you watched any of the uh, the videos? No, have you watched the stuff on? Um, oh, I can't think of what it's called right now, but thing that Travis does where they went to Wyndham's house, they went to Sipes' house, and they and they went to oh, yeah, yeah, Pastrana's house, like that. a Nitro Circus, like yeah, uh, where they're racing, or whatever it is, and mini bikes, mini bikes around that, yeah, that. That eight figure eight or whatever thing was. Well, no, there, there's multiple different stuff that they have to do. Like there's, and they've got all these. It's great. It's it's good. It's funny TV to watch, but it's good TV watching what these guys do. But he's got a brother that races too. Sipes does, mm-hmm. and and uh, yeah. Anyways, off the yep. topic, but yeah. But Sipes, they got they got quite the little compound where he lives as well. Yep, definitely. All right, in the two fifty class, you had Jeremy Martin again, three one with the win over R.J. Hampshire. You talked about him last week, Jason. Justin Cooper, championship points leader, goes one eight over Jet Lawrence, Pierce Brown in fifth, Moseman in sixth, uh, Hunter Lawrence in seventh, Schwartz in eighth, Falk, uh, Forkner, Max Volan in tenth place. Yeah, in that championship, Justin Cooper has got two eighty one over Jet Lawrence with two seventy three. And Jeremy Martin really started off the year really strong. He got hurt. He, you know, how many points a, is he back? Right now he is fifty nine points back. But he goes win second win, then he gets hurt, and as of lately, it's been win win second win. You know, so yeah. he he's like, or no wait, twenty points is third. Sorry, sorry, third place. Yeah. So he goes win win third win. So I mean, at this point. Barring the injury, honestly, Jeremy Martin is the class of the field this year. Yeah, but Cooper, take nothing away from him. He rode really well. He had one screw up all weekend at Washougal and it just happened to be on the last lap of the race or two, like three laps left in the race. He mm-hmm. he fell off, which was a shame. Um, but Justin Cooper, he did everything he needed to do this weekend. And uh, But Jeremy Martin wasn't going to be denied. He, he ended up running Cooper down in the second moto. And, but, but the biggest problem was is Cooper just gave back a bunch of points there in that second moto when he fell because... Lawrence wasn't having the best weekend either. Jet Lawrence is is not didn't have the greatest uh, kind of starts. I mean, that's his big thing. Is he just not getting starts? 
but they still have a lot of racing left. Those guys. Yeah, they have so, a lot of racing left. There's yeah. a lot that could be done in that stuff, and uh, in yeah, it'll be interesting in both championships. I mean, I think obviously Ferrandis and Cooper right now they've got things their way. But if Tomac gets on a run or Jet Lawrence can find his way, I mean, Jet Lawrence is only, what, 12 points back, so it's not like a huge lead in the 250 class. A look ahead to this weekend, our race calendar. We're going to be talking about next week, Brainerd, Minnesota for Moto America. Cannot wait. NHRA Pro Stock Motorcycles are in Pomona, California. AMA East Hair Scrambles in Millville, New Jersey. The IRC Moto Climb Super Series is in Yoncala, Oregon. Moto Trials in Kingman, Arizona. And uh, hey, Kenny Roberts Sr. and Eddie Lawson, you're in Havasu. Go watch some trials. I'm yeah. sure you're listening. I'm you know? sure. Oh, yeah. yeah. I'm sure they're big fans. Yeah. On the world scene, World Speedway in Poland for two nights. BSB is in Thruxton. So that looks like the place I'd want to ride. I, really? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't know why, but I just something about it there. Thruxton looks really cool. It's, it's an old airbase, and they only run there once a year. So mm. I think that's the MO on it. We'd have to find out. But but yeah, I mean, it I'm looks... sure that can be arranged. Jay, you want to get those strap those leathers back nah. on, get over the pond, go I'm back not even to the homeland. Com- I'm, not, I'm not even that comfortable, like, like riding this Thursday. If I'm being fair with you, well, I, I, you, I mean, it'll be fine. I'm going to go do it. Just so with can... how much your skill level has declined. Are you going to? Are they going to put you in the junior cup class on that ZX10? I, I, I don't know if I can keep up with those kids, dude. I, just, I think we... just so you know, they're going to. They're they're. I think they're in the. 54s so i would say probably in testing so i would say probably they'll do 150s maybe even 52s, quicker than that 51s how how often am i wrong about lap times jacko how often how often am i right about your lap times every time yeah so huh? what'd you do there you get to what they did 53s 54s so you got on that superbike 58s what'd you do i can't remember 51 is that what you did? No, you didn't yeah. do 51. You went like 45 something, didn't you? Oh, wait. Was it 40? You don't even 30. know your own lap times. You're no, dope. hold on. Stamboli sent me the sheet. I was I was literally 13 seconds. I know I was 13 seconds off of what Gagne did. Yeah, he did like a 32 or something, didn't he? 33? Yeah. 8? Yeah, you were in the 40s. How do, how do you not know this stuff? I predicted your lap time. To, to like, yeah, dead nuts on. 45-1. Yeah. I did a 45-1. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so there you go. That's my only goal. If I don't go 45-1, I'll be disappointed in myself. So you want to know the progression was 51, 48, 47, 46, 4. I came in, took a breath, went 45, took 8. Took a breath, ate a donut. Yeah. No, went 45, 8. But then I slipped a little, went 46 flat, 45, 5, 45, 1. Yeah. So it's just typical. Just, just, just getting used to it. And my God, that bike was so... It's so easy to ride, dude. Like it's the throttle response was the most impressive thing. I mean, you just think about getting on the gas and it moves forward. It, was, it just goes. I love it. Well, it handles well. It just goes to the whatever. I mean, we'll talk about it more later, but at some point, I suppose. Or if anybody comes to the races and want to ask me about Kanye's super bike, and Stamboli guarantees me that he left everything on exactly the way Jake rides it. You uh, know, that's so cool. a lot of people are like, "Oh, he's going to take power out." And, blah, 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 blah. And, he, and Richard looks at me and goes, "Why would I do that?" Yeah, I want that, you to experience the full bike, you know, I'm like, and there's yeah. enough stuff on there to help protect us. So yeah, yeah. he, he yeah. talked to me at Lagoon. He's like, Jay, you know, he's like, uh, Oh, I can't wait for you to ride the thing. If you get a chance, yeah. please I, tell me you're going to ride it. What I'm really interested in, what I'm mm-hmm. really, really interested in, to be honest. And I'd actually, I'd actually think about working out for like two days. If this actually could happen, <laughs> I, I would actually, he said that he could put electronics on 
it'd be really great to put electronics on my old championship winning bike that he still has. Oh, two? Oh, one. Oh, I don't remember the year. Oh, oh, oh two or oh, three. Two? I can't remember. Oh, oh, two. It wasn't oh, one. Oh, one. I got hurt, but oh, two. I, I might have been oh, two. Oh, two or oh, three. Oh, two. GSXR 1000 Formula 3. It'd be so bike. sick if you put electronics on that bike just to see where it would go. Oh, dude. It'd be fun. He'd do it too. He'd, He'd do, do it in a heartbeat. I mean, oh, the guy obviously doesn't have much time. Probably take him 50 hours because you got to put all those sensors on and then get, oh my gosh, it'd take a while, but it'd be fun. To do it'd it. be fun. It'd be a nice little fun project. So anyway, so Anyways, that's our podcast. I got to get a haircut. Will you get yeah. a haircut today too? Uh, <laughs> no, I don't have to be on camera till, you know, Friday or something. So no haircut today. Okay, perfect. I got to get my stuff done. Well then go do it, stupid. I'm going to do it. Thanks everybody for listening. G-Dub, see you in a couple days.